In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WAVA Radio, and I welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, listen to these words. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Paul writes this in the book of Hebrews. No one can know us like our creator, folks. And our guest today wants to help others experience the living word and interact with God on new and deeper levels. He's written a 52-week devotional for men to help them approach God through the scriptures, and through prayer, and we want to talk to him about it. And of course, here to get us started to introduce our guest for the day is my good friend, my buddy, my co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Brother, good to see you, man. God bless you. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. I am absolutely, fundamentally the most excited today I've ever been of any show we've ever done. And uh, there's been some excitement around some of the things that we've done before and Longtime listeners of the show know we've got, you know, a couple hundred shows under our belt and we cover all kinds of good topics on the show, talking about taking the good news forward. But honestly, one of the reasons I'm most excited today, I'm going to do something that sounds a little unprofessional. And uh, the reason why it is, is because of my personal connection with our guest today. As a human being, I could not speak any higher than our guest today of Dr. Randy Haynes. He has been a personal mentor of mine, a friend of mine. He has sharpened me well. And he sharpens others well. And that's why I'm absolutely excited that we're going to talk about today uh, a devotional that he created called Standing on Bended Knee. Now, because I also know Randy, he is already completely and utterly uncomfortable at all the good and kind things that I've said about him. But they are true. And I am going to say several times today uh, in this broadcast about the benefit it would be of grabbing and growing from this book that he's written. So let me tell you a little bit about him professionally, and we're going to hop in if we do after that. Dr. Randy Haynes is a native son of Greenville, Mississippi. He moved to Boston early in his life, where his father pastored the historic 12th Baptist Church of Boston. His ministry spans four decades and included ministries from youth to adults, choir, music, and biblical education. Before he was in full-time ministry, he was still ministering, but he was doing it in a distinguished career as a criminal justice official, which included even an appointment as a chief of probation for the Massachusetts trial court. And for 33 years, he's been married to a dynamic woman of God, Lisa Haynes. And that is truth. Anyone who's met his wife knows that she's a dynamic woman of God. And they are parents of eight adult children and a growing tribe of grandchildren. And I'm excited and ecstatic to introduce him here as my friend, but more importantly, as someone who's making a great contribution to moving the gospel forward. Randy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Dennis, for having me. 
All right. So for those that are listening, you know, many times understanding why someone should connect with what someone has done or a book they've written really is rooted in, hey, give me some of the background. How can I connect to this person that that I should be reading what God has said through them? And so you do have a background both in law enforcement and ministry. There's probably a joke there that there's a lot of overlap sometimes between law enforcement and ministry. But when did you personally come to know Jesus Christ and how did that shape, you know, the future of your life? Well, Brian, I came to know Jesus Christ in 1972. I was just entering my tween years. I was fortunate, um, Brian, to grow up in a church that had wonderful, um, dynamic, vibrant uh, young men and women of God who served as role models uh, for the young people. Um, And so that really helped to ground me um, in my thrust toward ministry. Uh, By way of the law enforcement background, it just so happens that at that same church, uh, there were lots of politicians who attended that prominent church in Boston, politicians, judges, police officers, probation officers, parole officers, social workers. And so I was exposed to a lot of those kinds of people. And so God used that to kind of orchestrate uh, my law enforcement background as well. Yeah. And so at one point in your life, you went from being a parole officer and those sort of things into uh, this season, so to speak, of your calling. We talk about this a lot on Good News for the City, is that there is no such thing as one more sacred calling than the other. If Jesus has called you, that's what makes it sacred, whether it's a police officer, whether it's a pastor, whether it's insurance, a stay-at-home parent, or whatever it might be. We're to live from that. What is it that came about you that eventually brought you into Uh, for many, many years, pastoring the local church. Well, I have to admit that um, I was like Jonah. I ran from that. Uh, My father, as you mentioned, uh, was the pastor of my church. And so I had a front row seat to the pastorate. My father was a teaching pastor. And so I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly of what involves, what entails being a leader um, of a ministry. But eventually, um, I had to just kind of come to the realization that God had given me um, the gifts that most people would say traditionally are the kinds of gifts that you would expect to see in someone who is called to the pastorate. And so uh, eventually, I yielded to God in that way. There's this interesting thing that happens a lot in Scripture when God reveals to us what his calling is in our life. It doesn't really feel that way at the time. I'm always reminded of Judges chapter 6 when the angel of the Lord meets Gideon in a wine press hiding from the Midianites, and he calls him mighty warrior. That's probably anything from seeming truth at that time, but the old saying is that who God calls, he equips. He's given if we're going to step into that. Now, you've written a book. It's available on Amazon.com. You can also get it at www.talk2, that is the number two, thetext.com. We'll talk about more about that in a moment. But you've written a book called Standing on Bended Knee. I've always enjoyed as I've integrated with you and talked with you about how you have a way with words. And I think saying the term standing on bended knee is is a great turn of phrase. But what inspired you to write that book and what do you mean by that? Well, uh, standing on bended knees, uh, to tell you what inspired me to write it, I have to kind of give you a broader contextual answer Mm -hmm. uh, and then a narrower uh, contextual answer. Let me see if I can answer quickly. The broader contextual answer is this, Brian. I was born into the Jim Crow South. I am the seventh of 10 children of, uh, of a country Mississippi woman who dropped out of school in the fourth grade. 
and washed floors and ironed clothes and did all of that for white folk as a means to try to um, feed and house her children, to take care of her children. Well, eventually my mother moved uh, from the South to Boston in the early 60s. It was uh, what some people would identify as kind of one of those last migrations of African-Americans from the South uh, to the Midwest and the Northeast, looking for better economic opportunities, looking for a little bit less of racism and that kind of thing. And when we got to Boston in the early 1960s, my aunt, who was already there, who was not a churchgoer, recommended a church in the neighborhood um, for us to attend because my mother had always been a churchgoer. It just so happens, as God was orchestrating things, that there was a man. God sent a man. He happened to be the pastor. He happened to be a uh, political official in the state. Uh, and his name was Michael Haynes Sr., he was never married, always a bachelor. And eventually he reached out to me, took me under his wings. And then eventually my mother allowed him uh, to adopt me. My biological father, Brian, uh, was a very, very wonderful alcoholic. And I put it that way because I'm told that he uh, was a nice guy when he wasn't drinking, but he had a terrible alcohol problem. And so Michael Haynes came into my life and became the father that I never had. And eventually my mother allowed him to legally adopt me. That's the broader contextual story. The narrow contextual story is this. I've seen over the years in my ministry, Brian, I've seen the devil make fools of both younger men and older men. My grandmother, Edna Haynes, mm. uh, who's the holiest uh, person that I've ever personally known, used yeah. to say, don't let the devil say ha-ha at you. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so I've seen men, both young and old, be made fools of. And so those are kind of the two contextual things that inspired me to write the book. And so from listening to what you had to say, is your target really, when if someone picks up this book, is this for men? Is this for anyone? And if it is specifically just for men, what are you hoping that they can they can glean from this? What can they expect? Well, it is specifically targeted at men, but I've had women tell me uh, that they're completely ignoring that uh, because they have found um, the thinking, the challenges, the truths that are contained within the book to be uh, very much applicable to them. I wanted men to be reminded, Brian, that the Holy Spirit um, is able to give us power and protection and provision and purpose, uh, and that we as men don't have to be tossed to and fro by our every appetites and our every worldly philosophies. We don't have to be tossed to and fro by bad counsel, maybe, you know, that we got from older relatives who may or may not have meant good. We don't have to be tossed, you know, to and fro by every new wind of popular thinking. So yes, targeted to men, uh, but I think quite applicable uh, for women as well. Now, you have a saying. In fact, I'm about to say the saying, and I have this temptation, even when I say it, to almost mimic how you say it. Because <laughs> whenever I read this, I hear your voice echoing in my head. And it, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's, it's actually where the idea of your website comes from, www.talktothetext.com. And here's the saying. If you learn to talk to the text, I'm fighting right now trying to say it the way you say it. But if you learn to talk to the text, the text will talk back to you. 
I remember the first time I heard that and it resonated with me and we had an even smaller conversation around, hey, what you specifically mean by that? Because I think I know, but what do you mean by that? So um, the, the phrase came to my mind actually many, many years ago, talk to the text and the text will talk back to you. Really what I'm simply saying there is that, you know, to be a good Bible student, one of the fundamental things that you need to learn to do as you approach the text is to simply ask those basic questions, who, what, when, where, how, why. Um, those are the kinds of questions that will get you to the kinds of answers um, that you're looking to. I like to say that the text wants to do something to you, that the text wants to do something for you, that the text wants to do something in you. And so what I'm really suggesting um, is, is that um, when you go to the Word of God, I love the Word of God, Brian, when you go to the Word of God, the Word of God wants to interact with you. It wants to impact you on a cognitive level. That is, it wants to interact with your intellect. It also, I would suggest, wants to uh, interact with you on an affective level. It wants to yeah. touch your emotions. I would also suggest that the text wants to interact with you on a psychomotor level. That is, the text wants you to understand, it wants me to understand that um, what we read, we're supposed to do something with it. I love, Brian, mm -hmm. that, that 2 Timothy 3.16 text, which most Christians know, that says all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And Brian, it's verse 17 in that text that we often leave out when we quote that verse, and we really should run them both together, because verse yeah. 17 goes on to say, that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. So if you Amen. talk to the text, the text will talk back to you. I'm sure you know this, but uh, you probably heard that coming out of someone related to you recently. Full confession, uh, Randy's son, Michael Haynes, that is a different Michael Haynes than his father. That's what he named his son, is actually on staff at Christian Fellowship Church. He is our director of youth ministry. He's also one of our teaching pastors. And just recently he was up there and he quoted you. Let's talk to the text and have the text talk backed up. That was a good moment, I'm sure, for you as you heard it online. And, and I know it was a good moment for me as I heard it from the pew. But when we think about this dichotomy that I think comes up, whether we recognize it intellectually or not, that often happens. I want you to speak into it that many times people accept Jesus as the savior of their life, especially men, but then they sort of stop there. All right, he has saved me, but he also desires to be the Lord over their life. I know that you've run into that many times in your ministry with others, especially with men. What do you mean by that for those who may not grasp that? Well, Brian, this issue is really so very uh, personal, quite frankly, um, to my heart. You know, you know, Brian, here's the truth of the matter. I had a wonderful teaching father, Michael Haynes. But the truth of the matter is, is when it came to holiness, I resisted. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I absorbed much of his teaching. But the, the holiness piece of his teaching and modeling, um, I, I resisted that. And so... And so when I talk about it's important to have Christ as not just Savior, but Christ as Lord, what I'm trying to suggest is that I've encountered so many men over the years, Brian, some who are struggling publicly, meaning, you know, everybody can see their slip hanging. But there mm -hmm. are men who sit in pews every Sunday who are struggling privately. 
and I'm hoping through this book talk, uh, the, this uh, this book, uh, that they will find in these pages um, confrontation, information, affirmation, inspiration. I I love the John fourteen fifteen text, Brian, because uh, every now and then Jesus just says some things that are just, in my view, absolutely startling in their simplicity, by way of how he um, confronts us. Yeah. And in that John 14, 15 text, I love what he says. He, he, he says, if you love me, do what I command. Mm-hmm. You know, scripture is replete, Brian, with, with various summons uh, to yielded living into holiness of life. You know, in the modern church, Brian, you know, we don't talk about holiness very much anymore. We seem to think that's a Pentecostal thing. Uh, and so I love how the scripture is replete um, with ideas that he not only wants to be our savior, but he wants to be the Lord over our lives, meaning he wants to be the boss. I love that uh, Romans 12, one and two text. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. old enough that Brian, some of the King James sticks in my head. So yeah, I'm not that quote, age, but I grew I, up that way. Yeah, I still, yeah, I still quote some things in the, in the King James and I love how in the King James, Paul says there in that Romans 12, says, he says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren. Uh, I love the way that rose off the tongue. Mm-hmm. I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you submit your bodies as a living a sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And then he goes on, of course, in verse 2, and says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what the will of God is. And so that's what I'm talking about there when I say that he not only wants to be um, Savior, but he mm-hmm. needs to be the Lord, the boss over our lives. Yeah, a lot of what you'll see if you're listening today, either on podcast or live on WAVA, is this opportunity through this book to engage those truths, to see that. And, and certainly, uh, I could be a little bit presumptuous here, but I'm going to be that if I can be, that, you know, as God puts you in the place for Michael Haynes Sr. to be a role model in your life, he's also then sort of created in you one way, this idea, how to be role models to other people, how to live that out. And you've seen it in some different ways, particularly uh, about a church. Uh, you are an overseer now of uh, Word Church 2.0. It's actually located in Ashburn, Virginia as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what that means. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, when you asked, uh, the Word Church is actually a merger of Open the Book Ministries, which God allowed uh, me to start uh, back in 2010, and the Empowerment Church, which had, which had been in Ashburn, Virginia uh, for, I think, about 125 years. Um, so I was able to oversee uh, the merger of that ministry, young pastor at the Empowerment, it was called Empowerment Church at the time, Pastor Tony Ray Smith, wonderful, wonderful, young, dynamic pastor. Um, I felt like God uh, had sent him um, as my replacement. And when the replacement comes, it's time for you to go. Yeah. Um, and so that's exactly what I did. So I serve as the overseer still um, of that ministry. I'm not involved in any of the daily goings on, um, um, but I, I stay in close contact with Pastor Smith about uh, kind of the thrust of the ministry, the texture of the ministry. And I think of the word church uh, 2.0 as the little engine that could. Yeah. I love it. And I encourage you as well, if you're out in the Ashburn area looking for a strong church, uh, Google that Word Church 2.0. It's a great place doing great ministry for God. Um, so, again, we've talked about this already. This this book's a devotional for men specifically. And we know that this happens from time to time. We have some men listening like, oh, this is just for me. Or we have other people listening and they then pass the podcast or the broadcast off to other people saying, hey, you really need to listen to this. So for someone who is listening to this, a man right now who might be struggling today, 
Uh, could you sort of speak into their lives? Talk to them a little bit about what you would want them to know. Obviously, you've talked about the call to holiness. What other things would be high on your list for them to understand? Well, um, Brian, I think first I would say um, to men who are struggling today this, um, God loves you. Mm -hmm. God loves you and he sees you. Mm. And I think that's important. Um, second, I would probably say to men who are struggling today um, that you're not altogether unique. You know, some men, a lot of men are dealing with temptations of various kinds. Temptations uh, loom large um, in a man's life. But again, I'm a man of the word. And so I always try to go to the scripture. First Corinthians 10, 13 um, mm -hmm. has been um, a, a, a pivotal passage in my thinking uh, for many years. The Apostle Paul there writing to the church at Corinth. Um, and he said something to them like this. He says, every temptation that has overtaken you, I want you to know that it's common to all men. Mm -hmm. So you're not unique. You're, you're not alone. And then later in the passage, he says, but with that temptation, God is the good news that God provides a way of escape, that God provides a means to endure. That's mm -hmm. good news. That, and I want men to. Yeah. And I want men to I want men to get that for men who are struggling today. You know, some are struggling with belief systems. Um, you know, there may be a Hindu in the office next to them, uh, and he thinks he has the truth. And there may be an Orthodox Jew uh, who's down the hall. There may be someone else uh, in the next office over who's got a mixture of all kinds of stuff. And some men are just kind of struggling with what is it that they should believe? Yeah. Again, I love what Paul says. Second uh, Corinthians ten five comes to my mind uh, when he says, "I'm going to take all thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ." I love that. Yeah, uh, men it's... who are struggling today, uh, identity. Identity would be a, another issue, and I love uh, the psalmist in Psalm one thirteen, uh, Psalm one thirty nine, where he says, "I am thankfully known by God." And so I would say to men, Brian, who are struggling today, that you have to go to God to find you. That's right. There's so much there we can unpack over time, and maybe we'll do that in the future. But I'm just reminded it's a theme actually that's come up many times on Good News for the City for long-time listeners. They'll catch this, that, that one of the great ploys of the enemy, the lies, is to make you feel like you're the only one. Right, right. That right. you're unique in your struggle, that, that this is uncommon. And since I'm the only one, no one can understand. And since I'm the only one, there's not a real answer. But the answer is always right there in the gospel, in the truth yes. of this word. And, yeah. and what he applies. Yeah. You know, we got a couple more minutes. Uh, you as a mentor for so many, me being one of the people that you've mentored over the years, um, you have opportunities to get into pastors' lives. And we know that we have a lot of pastors listening to the show. Any words of encouragement you'd like to give them right now in the middle of shepherding a flock week in and week out in normal circumstances? But of course, over the last X amount of months with all the additional uh, sort of things that have been happening throughout our country and throughout our world, both health-wise and socially-wise and all those sort of things. Yeah, it's it's been quite a period, quite a period um, for pastors. And I've been praying, I've been praying diligently um, for pastors. Um, I, I think I would say a couple of things. Um, I think the first thing that I would say is um, stand prophetically. Mm -hmm. um, Gardner Taylor, dean of the, uh, the late Gardner Taylor said, when the pulpit becomes an echo of the pews, it, it loses almost all of its reason for existence. So I'd say that mm -hmm. to them. Um, I'd say reach for holiness and integrity. 
it'll aid you in the intimacy with the Almighty. I tell them to to love the people as Christ did, and that includes people who are difficult to love. I I, I think I'd say to them, strive to be relevant. Um, people need to hear a relevant word on Sunday morning. I think I would say to them, don't don't work. Uh, too hard to hold on to your pulpit. If you're in fear of losing your pulpit and that's driving you, you're probably failing to be the leader that you ought to be. Yeah. Um, so those are some things I think I would say to them. Well, again, we could, you and I have talked for hours before, and certainly uh, this isn't the place necessarily to talk to hours, but I just want to say thank you, Randy, for coming on. And and Dennis, you know, uh, you can get this book at talktothetext.com. You get it on Amazon. And I'm sure like, uh, like I have, Dennis, you were encouraged, and our listeners have been encouraged to go out, grab the book, be engaged the way that they need to be engaged about this idea of holiness and standing on bended knees uh, that Randy's talked about so well today, but also talked about in the book. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Brother Randy, thank you. God bless you, man. I, I did get the book, by the way, on Amazon, so right, I have the book. All right, all right. Um, and, and just to hear your passion for ministry, for the Word of God, for um, those of us who are children of the King, and serve the king. I love that man. Stand prophetically, reach for holiness. Dude, what are you trying to, I mean, you allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us or what? I mean, come on. <laughs> but, but seriously, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us, folks. Hey, if you want to hear it again, and I would urge you to do so, go to goodnewsforthecity.com. Goodnewsforthecity.com. Hey, you can always call me at station 703-807-2266. Again, you can go to Amazon and get Randy's book, Standing on Bended Knees. Or talk to this, the text, talk, the number two, the text.com. And you can get that. I would urge you to do so. Thank you all again. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.